In this house, it's, uh, it's expected that you'll tell the truth, and it's expected that uh, it's a safe place to tell the truth. So let's just do a little survey. How many here have ever been afraid in their whole entire life? Okay, we've, we've got a few liars, okay? Okay, we've got a few. How many would say that right now, for whatever reason, you're battling with fear? I'm coming for you. I've got good news. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me and appointed me to preach good news to you this morning. We as a church are in a wonderful, exciting, life-giving, dangerous, kingdom-sized adventure. And there are seasons in this adventure. There are moments when things are exciting and wonderful, moments when they're quiet and lonely. There, there are times when the doors are breaking open and the walls are tumbling down, and then there are season, seasons where a, a battle rages, and, and, and you're not sure whether you're making any progress at all. In fact, sometimes it feels like you've taken a step or two backwards instead of ahead. Sometimes the seasons change without, without notice. Sometimes there are signs in the middle of it, of it all that, that hope is going to come bursting over the horizon at any moment. Now, those signs of imminent hope are not always positive signs. I know that, that, we're, in, that we're on the verge of a breakthrough when a lot of negative things happen. When, when discouragement hangs heavy in the air, when, when, when people are edgy and picking at each other's faults, when, when a load of, of discouraging diagnoses come in, in on the people of our church family, when I start to hear people say, I, I don't know if I can do this much longer. I, I, I think I, I, think I want to quit. I'm afraid that, that this is not going to turn out too well. I love you, Pastor, but... When I see, when I hear those things, I know that the battle is real and that the win is imminent. In learning to read the signs of the times over these many years of ministry, I have come to the conclusion that just before the last push gets us through the, to the next victory, our enemy will come to frighten, come to discourage, come to intimidate the troops. He knows that if we, we make that breakthrough, if people are going to get set free, if miracles are going to happen, if life is going to surge, if Jesus is going to be glorified, he knows, he understands that if, if he doesn't stop us now before the breakthrough, then the church will be unstoppable after the breakthrough. So he comes in a flurry of activity to stop us before we become unstoppable. So, so one of the things that he does is to attempt to bring fear on the people of God. Now, fear is a horrible disease that infects and affects all of humankind. It, it works to limit your influence and faith. It dumps huge and debilitating amounts of lies on your life, and it changes your language from that of a conqueror to that of a victim. 
And I want you to know that I've been excited and I've been anticipating your arrival here this morning because I have a word from the Lord for our church. But most importantly, I have a word for you as an individual, a person who's battling fear right now in their life. It is this, God speaking to you directly. And this is the word, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. The word is this, you're not alone. The word is this, God has not left you in a mess. He has claimed you as his own and made a promise to both make you strong in all that you are facing right now and to be a very powerful and useful help in all that you're going through. He, he says, let this picture be in front of you. See the battle that's all around and see yourself in the palm of his hand, his victorious right hand that's never known defeat, being lifted up out of, the, out of the battle. Okay. Let's back it all up and start again. You obviously, it's hot in here and some of you have fallen asleep. Okay. He's, he's got you in the palm of his hand and he's lifted you up. He's lifted you up. Shrink all of that down to this one easy phrase to remember. Spoken quietly, spoken confidently by the always victorious God, he says to you, fear not. Fear not. When Elkins Robinson first met me at this church 30-some years ago, uh, he, he put me in touch with R.W. Shambach. And he says, I have something to tell you who are afraid and who are grumbling that God isn't there. God tells you, shut up. <laughs> well, I won't go that far, but I'll tell you this, fear not. <laughs> In the Christmas story, there are four groups of, of people that angelic messengers are sent by God to tell them, fear not. The, the engaged man, Joseph, who, who is about to quietly end the engagement because he's discovered that his fiancée is pregnant even though they have never been intimate together. The second is Zacharias. He, a, a very good, good man, but a very old man who, who's always wanted children, but has never been able to have them. And God sends a messenger with the words, Fear not. And the fourth group of, that Fear Not was spoken to was a group of no-named, filled with shame shepherds who were visited at first by, by one and then a multitude of angels with the instructions to get up from where they're watching their flocks and to move toward the town and to worship the one wrapped in strips of cloth lying in a feed bed in an animal stable. The fear not that I want us to focus on this morning, though, comes to us from a teenage girl, an unassuming young woman who's getting ready for her wedding. When an angel appears and, and says that she has captured the attention of God, and that she's been chosen to be the mother of the son of the living God, that she will give birth and she will supernaturally hold in her hands the Messiah of all the earth. Until recently, I thought that every time those fear nots were spoken, they were to be a, a bit of a calming apology to those who had been suddenly frightened by an angel showing up. Kylie had been preparing and making this place beautiful, and she was just sitting on the front bench having her lunch and just looking and seeing where we should go. And, and I 
didn't know that this lumbering body of mine could be quiet and stealth-like. And I came in, and I said, it looks beautiful, and scared her spitless. <laughs> she jumped and sort of screamed. And, and I, you know, fear not, don't be afraid, I'm sorry. <laughs> but that's not what's happening here. That's not what is it, what, what, what's happening at all. The fear not here is the breath of God breathing an increased capacity to each and every individual in the story so that they could participate in the most wondrous and important assignment that had ever taken place in all of history. For instance, Mary, without a warning, an angel appears to her, and that is quite a reality in and of itself, but but then there's this word that the angel gives to her, and I like how the, the Passion Translation says it. Grace of God is on you, young woman, for God has, impressed, has been impressed with you, and you have been selected to carry out the history-making purposes of God. Now just think of that, ladies. Allow yourself to react as though this is the first time you've ever heard these words. A a man that you do not know and have never met makes mention of your your youthfulness and that God has noticed you and has chosen you. And and what do you think? I, I don't care if... Your clothes are the cleanest, brightest clothes I've ever, ever seen. I, I don't know that I'm following, falling for that pickup line. Like, it just seems like kind of different. And there's an immediate response within Mary, and it's, it's panic, it's fear. I have lived my life purposely under the radar. I have been invisible as possible. How, how have I caught the attention of, and the grace of God? There has to be a mistake. This this message is being delivered to the wrong person. I'm not who you think you're looking for. This can't be happening to me. Can't Can't be happening here. Can't be happening now to me. Her spirit's in turmoil and her heart is rushing to shut down quickly before she becomes the the victim of disappointment and shame by being gullible enough to believe that God knows her and wants her to be involved in his plan. She's emotionally, she's spiritually running for the safety of a panic room in her world so that she can be safe and isolated from that which she does not know nor does she understand. To that response of her... The messenger comes and breathes the breath of God in her to create capacity so that she can participate in the world's most important project. Listen to the the life-expanding, spirit-expanding words. But the angel reassured her, saying, Do not yield to fear, Mary. For the Lord has found delight in you and has chosen to surprise you with a wonderful gift. Do not yield to fear. Mary, you have a choice here, and I'm pleading with you, the angel says, to come out of the panic room and stay here with me. Hear the plan. Hear the purpose of God. Do not yield to fear. Allow me to expand your emotional, physical, spiritual, mental capacity so that you can participate and enjoy the delight that God has in who you are. We could make a lot of fear here disappear right now if every one of you could just enjoy the delight that God has in you. 
He's not mad. He loves and delights in you. And then the surprise that he's going to give you that will mark you the recipient of God's greatest gift, not only you, but the world, Mary. Don't be afraid. Don't don't shut down. Don't yield to fear. Church, hear me on this. Fear is an emotional response. It's built into us for the prevention of life and sanity. However, we don't have to be afraid of everything all the time. We don't ever have to to be afraid of God working in our lives. We don't have to allow fear to dominate and control our lives. There is a choice. I, I plead with you, do not yield to fear. Don't live in the panic room. Do not avoid the unknown of God. Do not assume that the messenger has a wrong address when God speaks to you. Uh, don't assume that he's not delighted in you. Do not run for the safety of isolation when, when God says that you are about to be surprised by God with the wonderful gift of participation in his plan and his purpose. Do not assume that all angelic messengers arrive in bright clothes, tall, young, and handsome, and have wings. He could come in jeans and a button-down shirt with a word from the Lord. Do not yield yourself to fear. You see, fear, when it's out of control, is the dread spiritual equivalent of cancer. If left undetected and not confronted, it will grow from something small to something big. It will take over your life. It aims for certain vulnerable spots in an attempt to control the direction, the the trajectory and impact of your life. The first is, the first limitation that that fear brings is, is that it limits your life. Mary, do not yield to your fear because if you do, you will miss out on the surprise, on the wonderful gift that God has in store for you. Here's a a young woman engaged to be married. The angel is going to tell her that supernaturally she'll be the carrier of God's only son. And her her fears, her, her mind starts to race. What will the neighbors think? Never mind what the neighbors will think. What will my parents think? Forget them. What will Joseph think? Fear always brings limits to what you see to what you understand, to how you think, and even to how you react. Fear is designed to get you to focus on the problem and not to see the solution that's found in God. Fear is is sent to cause you to doubt your place, doubt your call, doubt your qualifications, doubt your purpose in God's plan, to make you feel ineligible, unlovable, invisible when it comes to God. It's to overwhelm you with the hopelessness of the situation, to overwhelm you with who God is and disqualify you from enjoying the delight that God has in you and participating in the surprise and the gifts that God has for you. Growing up, I was raised to be afraid of a lot of things. It wasn't that they... They meant to put fear in me, but there were a lot of rules without the explanation of why the rules were there. Don't get in with the wrong crowd, Bill. The list of places that I could not go included downtown, 
Movie theaters, bowling alleys, pool halls, pawn shops, school dances, non-church sponsored parties and events, public transit, away school trips and sporting events. And the list is much longer than that. And I, and, and, and I want you to hear, I'm not complaining. I wasn't deprived as a youth from what I wasn't allowed to do or be involved in. The problem was that it came, the problem came in that when I was raised to believe that God could not protect, God could not support me if I crossed the boundary boundary lines between safety and what we know into the land of what we don't know. So I grew up afraid of everything and everyone. So imagine my surprise when I discovered as an adult Psalm 91. Imagine my surprise when I discovered that Psalm 91 was speaking to me. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is your refuge, your place of safety. He is your God and you can trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from every deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors that come by night nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in the darkness nor the disaster that strikes at midday, though a thousand shall fall at your side and ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Imagine how my mind had to be reconfigured from how I was raised. The lesson was to be one, the, the, the lesson that was meant to be taught was to live wisely and alert to what's going around you. However, it was delivered and taught out of fear of, of anything that I do not understand or have a hundred percent guarantee of safety and security. You, you don't live very long before you understand that the only hundred percent guarantee of safety is to follow God. Mary. Do not yield to your fear. But God, Mary says, what if, how can, who, who am I? How, how do you know? Mary, not one promise from God is empty of power. For nothing is impossible with God. That's a great line to underline in your Bible. Luke chapter 1, verse 37, repeated every day of December, several times a day, until it starts to erase the limitations that you have lived with because of the spiritual cancer called fear. Let me read it one more time. Not one promise of God is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. Fear not. Fear not only brings limitations, but fear dumps lies aplenty on your life. You, you see, the architect who designed fear is, is not a trustworthy person. He deals in fears. He always has. He always will. He, he told Eve that she should question. She should doubt the motivation of God in keeping her from the one tree in the garden that would make her as wise and as insightful as, as God. He continued to lie to Moses to, and, and led him to believe that God had taken him out of slavery with 2.5 million people and was going to leave him alone in the desert. The, the liar told David that his life would never be as rich and satisfying if he didn't have his army captain's wife as his own. The liar tricked Peter into believing that God who had called him out of the boat to walk on the water would turn his back and allow Peter to sink like a rock to the bottom of the Galilee. 
Jesus teaches us that the devil is full of nothing but lies. That his native language is lying. How do you know if he's lying? His lips are moving. He's the master of deception. He's the father, the originator, the fountainhead of lies. He can't do anything but. Zachariah's fear came out of a lifetime of disappointment. He recognized that he was too old to, to be a baby daddy. And, and he had always wanted to have children. And yet year after year, decade after decade of disappointment piled up. And he had made an uncomfortable peace with the fact that God was God. And that for some reason that only God knew he would never be a father. But God had never said no. Faith delayed is not faith denied. So when the angel said to Zach, this is your time, you're going to have a son. This son is going to be a big deal in the world, and he's going to make a difference in his generation. Zach, out of the lies and fears that caused him to shut down his capacity to hope, said, how do you expect me to believe this? In other words, experience has taught me to believe that blessed are they who do not expect, for they shall not be disappointed. Zachariah knew the story of Abraham and Sarah. Zachariah knew the story of Isaac and Rebekah. Yet the lie was perpetuated on him that because he was old and because God didn't care, he should not expect, he should not hope, he should not believe. It's taken a while and it doesn't always kick in as, as early as it should. But when I have a promise from God and fear starts to lie to me about how ridiculous I am to believe that such a thing could happen, I now know that I'm on the verge of a breakthrough when that fear comes running at me. I now know that the, the devil is a liar and that God is about to score an incredible victory and that I have determined to be on the board as one who believed, one who's accredited in the assist. Fear not. Fear limits our perception. Fear lies to our senses. And fear creates its own soul-destroying language. God has created power in our words. We're not always aware of the impact of our words. I can't tell you how often I work with adults who have stalled in one area or several areas of their life because of a careless, damaging amount of words that were spoken over them as a child. Words have power in that they create an atmosphere. They reinforce a perceived reality. God says that with the words of our mouth, we're to create an atmosphere when we gather together as a people of worship. If you need a miracle, don't start com with complaining about how hard life is and how big your problems are. Start by announcing with confidence and out loud how thankful you are for God's involvement in your life. Start by thanking Him for what you do have and not complaining about what you need. Allow those words of thanksgiving to, to push you, to move you to a heightened awareness of who God is, and then allow praise to come out of you. Start bragging about all that he can do. I come in confidence to the place where God sits and he listens to me. And knowing that he loves me like no one else loves me, and that he responds to my voice, and that he supplies every need, and that his loving kindness is more than I can ever understand or measure or contain, that he's doing, going to do exceedingly abundantly more than I could ever think, imagine, or dream, I come and I praise him. 
If you want to change a culture, then you change the language. When Daniel and the boys were placed by Nebuchadnezzar in his school of cultural transformation, the place that they started would be to change the Hebrew men of God's language from that of Hebrew to that of Nebuchadnezzar. Fear does the same thing. It has its own soul-destroying language. It causes us to say things like, I can't, or God won't. It will never happen for me. God is mad and will not listen to me. God doesn't care. Everything that goes against what the Word says. Fear causes us to speak the language of the victim rather than the language of the victor. As a believer, how can I say that I can't when God, God promises me that I can do all things through Christ who is my strength? How, how can I say because of delay and disappointment that God won't give me the desires of my heart when he says that he not only reads and grants to me the desires of my heart, but that he takes his indelible, his indelible pen and writes desire on my heart and reads it then? Despite what fear has said to you, I want you to know that you have been given a language by heaven. And the language is that of a victor. When you speak, heaven listens. When you make your request, God hears, God answers. 1 John 5 verse 14. I don't do it well every time, but I am determined to master the language of the victor. The language of my heavenly Father has given to me his beloved Son. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I want to master that language. I, I'm, I'm working to forget the language of fear and to be fluent in the language of faith. I, I learned difficult dialect because I'm not a victim, you're not a victim, we are more than conquerors. That's our dialect. I, I want you to hear this because it's the most important thing I can say to you as an individual and to us as a church. We are created in the image of God and God is not full of fear. In fact, Fear is not your inheritance. Fear is not your inheritance. It doesn't come from God. It's not rooted in relationship with His Son. So hear me well on this. God will never give you the spirit of fear. It entered the plan of God that we should, it never entered the plan of God that we should be timid, retiring people, filled with anxiety, filled with worry, consumed with soul collapsing fear. The word for you, the word for our church as we head into our greatest year yet, 2020, is this fear not. Remind yourself often that everything in this life has its origins in one of two places. It either comes from God or it comes from the devil. And Paul tells Timothy and tells you and tells me that fear is not from God, so it is from the... Ah, good. You get good marks for that, okay? You see, Holy Spirit has been sent to equip, has been sent to empower us. Instead of fear, he brings uh, when he's allowed to move in our life, he brings some incredible empowering gifts. The first is he brings the mighty power of God. Not just into the world, not just into your world, but into your life. 
So much so that he, he says, speak to mountains and command it by the power that raised Jesus from the dead and, and now is active and alive in you and it will carry that mountain to a burial in a salty sea someplace. Holy Spirit not only gives you the mighty power of God, but Holy Spirit brings you the love of God. You see, the opposite of fear is not confidence. The opposite of fear is love. Because complete love, perfect love, casts out all fear. Paul says that, the love, uh, is, uh, that love is the thing that compels us to go into dark places because there are captives who live there and, and, and love will cast out their fear and, and bring them to a life-changing love in Jesus. Our assignment is to get over the fear of the dark. The quote that's followed me and hounded me for 16 months is this. There are only people living in darkness because the people of light have not yet reached them. Marlboro, we're coming. Strathmore, we're on the way. He also gives you self-control. It would be a bold-faced lie for me to tell you as the pastor of this congregation, I don't battle fear regularly. Just about the time I have it figured out about how this leadership thing works, one of you creative souls invents some new, never thought of, before challenge that I don't know how to respond to. There are Sundays when I come and I stand in the front of the church during worship, making deals with God. If you show up this morning, I promise I won't run out the door. If, if you give me a sign that what I have in my notes is going to be helpful to somebody, then I will go up those stairs and I'll say it. If you come through today, I promise I won't be like the eight other clergymen who will quit tomorrow and the eight others who will quit on Tuesday and every other day of the week. The Holy Spirit gives me the ability to be in control of myself so that I won't yield myself to fear that is fighting for control. The self-control allows me to lift up my hands in worship when it's a sacrifice to do so. It, it, it allows me to thank God for his promises instead of focusing on my fears. Your fear doesn't come from God. If I can have some musicians and if you can play the second song you played this morning. Your fear doesn't come from God. It's not your inheritance. I, I, I'm speaking to individuals that have been held and tormented by fear for way too long. I, I come in the confidence of God this morning to break chains off captives, to announce freedom to prisoners, and to tell you that now is God's timing for you. It's, it's a sure word. It's an accurate word. It's a timely word. Do not fear. Fear not. Do not yield to the panic room, but allow this word to create space for God to breathe into you a capacity to take on the impossible. Allow God to reveal to you who he is, to show you who he knows you to be. I want you to know that it won't happen overnight. But it's your choice to move to the place that you were meant to be in the plan and the purpose of God. I'm begging you this morning not to live your life in the limitation that fears places, that fear places on your life. 
You've been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this, and, and the purpose is to love people and to cause the devil no end of trouble for the rest of your days. I, I'm pleading with you not to buy into the lies that come with the fear. He's not giving you the responsibility of, be, of being aware of every danger and cautious of every unknown thing. He's promised that he will give his angels charge over you, that they'll watch you, that they'll protect you in the front, the back, overhead, and underneath. That while others fall at one side and multitudes are falling at the other, it will not come near you. It's a promise. By the mercies of God, I beseech you, brothers and sisters, to leave the soul-destroying language of fear behind and pick up the language of hope, the dialect of faith, and start moving mountains and not hiding because the earth is shaking. The earth is shaking because some of us are moving mountains. I, I'm speaking to the parents of prodigals this morning. Do not yield to your fear. Announce the good and the faithful word of God over their lives and believe that God keeps his promises. I'm speaking to you who have re received fear-filled cancer diagnosis. Don't hang your head. Don't worry. Lift up your hands and praise. If you're dressed in sackcloth and ashes here this morning, let me inform you that your God has given you robes of righteousness in exchange for those annoying, itchy clothes of mourning. Dear anxiety people, I know you're here and I love you with all my heart and I empathize with you and I pray over you constantly. But here's the word for you. Shut off the constant news feed. Put down your phone that announces every bleep and burp of all the 1,000 friends that you have that are mourning the loss of their cat, their dog, their, their keys, their phone, their upset stomach. Put it all down and get into the Word and learn the language of faith. Mom, quit worrying about the kids that are being more interested in the world than in God. Let go of the fear and show them the surprise. Show them the wonderful gift of being a world changer. Show them the, the joy of marching boldly into the darkness and, and the fulfillment of setting captives free and they'll never be the same and the world will hold no appeal to them. The marriage that seems like it's in the midst of wreck and ruin, I have a word, fear not. God is able. Peace of God come. Peace of God heal the hurt. Restore the trust. Relieve the fear. Transform the stubborn heart into a heart that's willing to sacrifice and love unconditionally. Only He can do it. Do not yield to the fear. Do not yield to your unique fear. Get ready for the surprises of God that are coming your way. Open your arms to the adventure that is the gift of God to you this Christmas season. Step into the power of God. It's yours. Live the atmosphere-shifting love of God because it will not only change you, but change your surroundings. Get a hold of the gift of self-control that will save you from going to the far-out ridiculous places that fear wants to take you tie you up, torment you for as long as you'll put up with it. Church, stand up with me.
If you're afraid, don't be ashamed. I've confessed before everybody that I struggle with fear. But if you're afraid, and especially if you're fighting fear right now, will you quickly come from where you are and stand right here? We want to pray together.